From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, February 17th. The Moab City Council was in session this week, so... What happened at the meeting? What happened at the meeting? Whatever happened at the meeting? What exactly happened at the meeting? Maggie McGuire of the Moab Sun News has an answer. At this week's Moab City Council meeting, a lobbyist employed by the city gave a rundown of bills that could impact Moab if passed in the next two weeks of the 2023 Utah Legislature's general session. According to presentations by department heads, the cost of trash and recycling services is likely to increase, and Chuck Williams, city engineer, said that the cost of stormwater system maintenance makes an increase to those rates necessary as well. Council members delayed further discussion on rate increases until their next meeting on February 28th. And that's what happened at the meeting. Find recaps of local government meetings at moabsunnews.com. Agendas and minutes are at moabcity.org and grandcountyutah.net. And now the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. Moab lost a big part of the community last week. 17-year-old Zoe Afton Thompson McKinney died in a hiking accident on Friday. Sophia Fisher of the Times Independent spoke with people close to Zoe who remember her as spunky, loyal, and a go-getter. Zoe was an incredible young woman. She was a Grand County senior. She was captain of the cheer team um, and was known to her fiancé, Lloyd Gist, and her, her teachers and cheer coach as this very small yet extremely spunky and vivacious young woman who overcame a lot of struggles in her life mm. and did it with charm and with poise and was selflessly devoted to others. I mean, people just, just discussed her loyalty and how she was always standing up for the underdogs and the new kids in class. And but I think a lot of people said they were... I felt very lucky and an honor to have known Zoe. There's a lot of um, comments here from friends and family. You wrote this piece. Um, What stood out to you? People talked about how she was really stubborn. She was really stubborn. She was really (laughs) spunky. She always wanted to do things her way. But the reason behind that is because she had goals and she Mm -hmm. wanted to achieve things in her life. And she wasn't Mm going to let anyone stand in her way. And I think that's a really important message. Mm -hmm. Um, She loved the song Nine to Five by Dolly Parton. And Mm -hmm. I had to give that song a listen after somebody told Mm -hmm. me that. And I think that really perfectly illustrates, too, Mm -hmm. what people told me about her personality. She could drive stick shift. She loved her truck named Dolly after Dolly Parton. And she loved dirt bikes and motorcycles and was training to be an EMT and also wanted to be a drift racer, too. What a fascinating young lady. Um, any thoughts from the school district? Of course. I mean, this, yeah, they released a statement talking about how heartbroken they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I spoke with Dr. Todd Thompson, he's the principal of of the high school uh, with Jamie Reedhead, who's a special education teacher, and Raylan Mason, her cheer coach. I mean, they were all devastated by this. I should mention that um, Zoe, her last name is Thompson, but she was known as Zoe McKinney up until very recently. She just had a name change application that apparently went through just a few weeks ago. So um, she she has been known as Zoe McKinney to many around the community as well. The school district did have some therapists available for the student body this week. There's also a celebration of life coming up. Yeah, the school held a vigil also Monday night um, in the common space with some items of Zoe's. It was just a wonderful space to for people to be together, you know, and to reflect. Um, and to just yeah. have have a dedicated space to mourning Zoe. So. It's always difficult to lose a community member um, in our tiny town, and mm-hmm. especially more poignant when it's a young person in our community. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sophia, for writing about this and giving some space to Zoe and her her memory this week. 
Absolutely. Now, where do you want to take us next in the Times Independent? Sure. Um, an update on an ongoing political story involving the Utah legislature. Um, HB 416, transient room tax amendments, a bill sponsored by Representative Phil Lyman, uh, made it out of committee Tuesday morning, February 14th, um, and is, is heading to the main legislature for a vote soon. Okay. And the Times Independent has done a lot of coverage on this issue. If folks want to get into the nitty gritty of where this came from, um, but it looks like it is targeting like you said, Grand County's economic diversification program, sunsetting it early. Exactly. So there was this 2021 legislation, as folks may already know, um, that gave a five-year um, allowance for certain counties, essentially just Grand County, to funnel some transient room tax money towards economic diversification. And what this bill does is essentially just speeds up the sunset clause to July 1st of this year. So it effectively ends the program almost immediately. The bill also received a co-sponsor on Tuesday. It's Senator Evan Vickers, who co-sponsored the 2021 legislation as well. Um, and we've heard from August Granith, who is the head of Grand County's Economic Development and uh, Tourism Department. And he says it seems pretty unlikely that they're going to be able to stop the bill from passing at this point. Mm. Um, their greatest hope at this point is to delay the sunset clause expiration to late 2024, which would still be earlier than its original proposal, but later than what the bill has currently written. So it looks like this bill is moving along. Um, anything else that is important for listeners to keep aware of or that you wanted to highlight in this story? It's not a bad idea. Folks are interested in learning more to check out the audio and video of the testimony Tuesday morning. It's available, very easy to watch on the Utah Legislature website. Just look up HB 416. You can find it through that. Thank you for that update, Sophia. And where do you want to take us next? Grand County High student Ingrid Payne made an absolutely beautiful piece of art and in doing so won top prize in a clean air marketing contest, placing first out of 800 competitors from southern Utah to southern Idaho. That is so exciting exciting for Ingrid and uh, Grand County High School and our community. Now, you have a, a you have the artwork here <laughs> in the Times Independent. Do you mind describing it for us? Certainly. Uh, it is a black and white self-portrait um, of, a, of a young woman, face upturned, and there's this beautiful explosion of colorful flowers coming out of her mouth area. Um, I got to say, you got to check out the artwork. <laughs> when my editor described it to me, I was like, that sounds odd. And then I looked at it, and I'm just blown away by this. I mean, it's stunning. It's realistic. It, mm -hmm. it conveys is a sense of um, Doug wrote haunting yet hopefulness, which mm -hmm. I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. And I think very accurate. And the poster is being used in a marketing campaign encouraging folks to reduce their air pollution impacts of driving, such as um, carpooling or biking and walking or, or reducing their idling. Well, very cool. Congrats to Ingrid. Anything from her on the win? Yeah, she she talked about how it was partially inspired by her connection to nature through the COVID-19 pandemic, which, of course, I experienced too, but I didn't get to turn it into such incredible <laughs> art. So very cool to you know have these emotions floating around your head and be able to put something right. down on paper. I think that's really awesome. Uh, yeah, a lot of talent and probably hard work, too. Absolutely. Okay. And there's one more piece in the Times Independent I know you'd like to mention. Take us there, Sophia. Absolutely. I wrote a story this week on two developments uh, that should be coming online on the sites of former mobile home parks that have uh, months or in some cases over a year after evicting residents still not appear to have broken ground. Mm, yeah. Okay. So this was big news probably around 
this time last year about these properties, pretty much winter, late winter, Mm -hmm. um, having residents have to move off of their mobile homes and get new housing quite quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Where are they in in town? Do you mind reminding us? Sure. Uh, One property is at 200 North and 200 East downtown. That's the site of the forthcoming city center townhomes. And that made particular waves in late 2021 when uh, the owners of the property gave uh, residents of 10 mobile homes there only 45 days notice of eviction just mid-December, right before Christmas. Um, The other property is uh, the site of the former Dickerson Mobile Home Park. That should have an apartment complex coming online called the Lost Springs Apartments. Um, That's closer to... 200 South, 200 East, I mm-hmm. want to say. That happened a little bit later last year, and the property owner gave residents closer to like four to six months eviction notice, so much longer. To be clear, these properties are owned by different people and they're independent projects, but they do achieve some similarities in, in the stalling of development. You know, that's been pretty much like a year for both of these properties that they've been empty. Are there any reasons why? Few that I was able to suss out, okay. shall I say, through my reporting. Um I did speak with Corey Shirtleff um, of the City Planning and Zoning Department, and he said he's heard essentially nothing from the owners and applicants of the City Center Townhomes property. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were approved by the City Planning Commission on May 2nd of last year, and Shirtleff said he's heard essentially nothing since then. Um, Mm -hmm. I did speak with someone close to the project who was not able to provide their name um, because they were not authorized to speak with press, and they said the deal on the sale of the property to the developer fell through just after that um, approval from the city because interest rates were rising Mm -hmm. and the project required much more capital. So that's what this person told me. As for the Lost Springs Apartments, Shirtliff said, and and to be clear, I did call up the um, owners and applicants for the city center townhome several times and Mm -hmm. haven't received a response from them. Mm -hmm either. Lost Springs, I also have not heard from the applicant for that, uh, Josh Godfrey, but Shirtleff said that he and other city staff have had more constant communication with them, you know, as recently as perhaps a few weeks ago. So mm-hmm. um, the project seems to be moving slower than it had intended to. Godfrey said he'd been hoping to start construction uh, last late summer or early fall, but it does seem like there is perhaps more forward progress there. Okay. These townhomes, are they going to be for local residents? Are they overnight rentals? Neither the townhomes nor the apartments, as they're currently approved, are subject to the um, AEH, that assured housing ordinance that the city passed. They both just missed the deadline actually on that really mm-hmm. so you know neither of them will have any deed restrictions um that being said upon approving the apartment complex several planning commissioners spoke really in favor of that type of development because mm-hmm. they said apartments are much more likely to be rented and occupied by locals and local members of the workforce whereas townhomes you know the track record of townhomes in, in town i think we can all agree that it tends to go to folks who maybe work remote or are second homeowners or are going to mm-hmm. use them for um, overnight rentals notably though when you get planning commission approval, you have about a year to get a building permit mm-hmm. slash kind of just start to do building on the properties. So if neither of these developments does that within a year of their approval, which, you know, the deadline's coming up for both of them, mm-hmm. they would likely have to reapply for approval. And then they would both be subject mm-hmm. to the ordinance because they lie in the zones that that assured housing ordinance referred to, which was the R3 and R4 zones. Okay, so we will wait and see. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'd be very curious to check back in on this in a few months once, you know, if the deadlines have lapsed without forward movement. Sophia Fisher, staff writer at The Times Independent. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com. Local lawmakers are keeping an eye on a few bills moving through the state legislature that could affect municipalities. Maggie McGuire of the Moab Sun News has more from their coverage. 
So there are plenty of bills in the Utah State Legislative Session this go-round that are relevant to Moab, impact Moab, or to, <laughs> to some extent, literally are just about Moab. And sometimes, you know, since we're way down here in the, the southeast of the state, I would think that sort of state-level politics can somehow escape us a little bit. You know, we all hear about the the foibles and the the weirdnesses of maybe our local electeds, but we don't maybe think about that that state level. So in this edition, we just kind of gave a point-by-point point of a bunch of different bills that are impacting or, you know, concern Moab. Um, it was really helpful that at the city council meeting this week, the lobbyist for the city was able to show up and kind of give a quick rundown. And we found it really fascinating and again you know that's just something that while of course local politics rules that state level stuff we we can't really ignore okay so the city has its lobbyists what did they talk about at the city council meeting so there's a bunch of bills up that were discussed by um casey hill who's the higher lobbyist for for the city of moab that touch on rural areas of the state and that includes some transportation infrastructure that includes um, land use and development and also some some water issues anything of note from that presentation to the city council Sure. Well, there's, of course, and I think we should acknowledge this maybe at the top, there's, of course, the ongoing conversation about the transient room tax, which specifically impacts Moab and Grand County um, and is being kind of put forth by Representative Phil Lyman, who represents Grand County, San Juan County, and a, a host of other southeast Utah counties. So that's sort of top of the list, of mm -hmm. course. But then there's also some water issues. A bill that was kind of of concern or was highlighted um, is a bill that would limit a municipality or a county's ability to control or set um, water rates. Mm, okay. Kind of a big deal. Okay. So what does that mean for water providers? So basically this really comes up when we think about development. Mm. And God knows that's a big issue here in Moab. So sometimes counties, municipalities, local governments, they um, look at those water rates in terms of like uh, approving new developments and, and negotiating with those developers. So if the city looks at a proposed new development and kind of runs the numbers on how much water would this take, um, if this bill passes, that kind of study wouldn't matter. Like there would be rates mm -hmm. that were just sort of mandated. So it, it just basically reduces the local autonomy. Okay. And obviously a concern for Moab City and, and our local city council. Anything else to highlight in this article, in this latest edition from the Moabs and News? I'm a big fan of, of really trying to follow your legislature as close as possible. So, you know, there's plenty of tools on the internet to be able to do this. So if you have like issues that are really close to your heart, you know, you can just track bills as, mm -hmm. as they go through. And again, while we, you know, really emphasize, obviously, in the newspaper, the importance of, of local government, those local elected officials are restrained by state level laws, as we've mm -hmm. really recently seen. Mm -hmm. So I just think it goes to show that while, of course, you can show up to a local meeting, which is great, you still do have like a really powerful voice at the state level as well. Um, it's not the biggest state. So you can reach out to your legislatures and hopefully make a difference. And moving on, there are some events that the Mobs and News wrote about this week. Of course, one that's upcoming 
is highly anticipated. The Trash In Show. The Trash In Show. The return of Trash and sh- The Revenge. The Revenge of Trash and Show. <laughs> yeah. So after, you know, a pandemic-related hiatus, The Trash and Show returns on February 25th. It'll be at Woody's kind of, I'm thinking, same, same as ever. So The Trash and Show is hosted by the Resiliency Hub, which is a local nonprofit that promotes sustainable practices and, and all kinds of interesting, like kind of permaculture-related issues. One of those, of course, being reuse and recycling. So while it's like kind of a cool rager party, it also has a deep value system <laughs> underpinning it. So folks are really encouraged to create interesting, uh, creative, and reused outfits out of maybe like discarded garbage or anything that's going to hit the trash, which is really fun and interesting. And then, you know, usually there's a catwalk and awards for like kind of the best outfit that is promoting um, recycling and reuse. It's really a fun time and it's a, a cool event for Moab. And it's something that I think a lot of people are excited to have return. You know, the Resiliency Hub has been um, putting out old pictures of the Trash and yeah. Show on their social media pages, which has been really fun to see for costume inspiration to see what's right. been done in the past. Right. And, you know, they are doing a couple of workshops. So keep your eyes out for those mm-hmm. in the in the run up to the event itself. Um, if you don't have a good backlog of, of trash, <laughs> um, they'll have trash provided. OK, there's one more event that you wanted to highlight in the Mobs and News. What's this next one? A high school musical, but with a twist is an alumni musical, which is so exciting. (laughs) What? Tell me about this. Yes, so we're celebrating 25 years of musicals at Grand County High School. Um, So they're doing a review and a bunch of alumni from, you know, who have kind of scattered all over the country are coming back into town to to help with this performance, which is really cool. Are these alumni then going to be featuring songs from um, older productions? Yes. Amazing. Yes. Apparently, after the construction of the new auditorium, the first musical that was put on was Oklahoma, which I love and Mm -hmm. I think is wonderful. They're Mm going to do a little bit of The Wizard of Oz. They're going to do a little Annie. They're going to do some (laughs) Footloose. So something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I just really talk about a community event. Like, you don't get better than that. Yeah, and you know, I I think it's really wonderful having been a theater kid in high school myself, that not only is this kind of like a really cool thing to be able to see a bunch of people who obviously were really touched and, and care about it, but you know, for the staff who, who put on these productions, mm-hmm. which if you've gone to a Grand County High School mm-hmm. musical, they're kind of elaborate. They're pretty surprisingly mm-hmm. wonderful. Seeing those people come back, you know, there's going to be tears. Maggie McGuire, editor of the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. That's it for the Weekly News Reel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes at our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to the KZMU News podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.